Chapter Twenty Nine of Nature and Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Fascio. Nature and Art by Elizabeth Inchbald. Chapter Twenty Nine. Though this unfortunate occurrence in the curate's family was, according to his own phrase, to be hushed up, yet certain persons of his, of the dean's, and of Lord Bendham's house, immediately heard and talked of it. Among these, Lady Bendham was most of all shocked and offended. She said she never could bear to hear Mr. Rymer either pray or preach again. He had not conducted himself with proper dignity either as a clergyman or a father. He should have imitated the dean's example in respect to Henry, and have turned his daughter out of doors. Lord Bendham was less severe on the seduced, but had no mercy on the seducer, a vicious youth without one accomplishment to endear vice. For vice, Lord Bendham thought, with certain philosophers, might be most exquisitely pleasing in a pleasing garb. But this youth sinned without elegance, without one particle of wit or an atom of good breeding. Lady Clementina would not permit the subject to be mentioned a second time in her hearing. Extreme delicacy in woman she knew was bewitching, and the delicacy she displayed on this occasion went so far that she could not even intercede with the dean to forgive his nephew, because the topic was too gross for her lips to name, even in the ear of her husband. Miss Sedgley, though, on the very eve of her bridal day with William, felt so tender a regard for Henry, that often she thought Rebecca happier in disgrace and poverty, blessed, with a love of him, that she was likely to be in the possession of friends and fortune with his cousin. Had Henry been of a nature to suspect others of evil, or had he felt a confidence in his own worth, such a passion as this young woman's would soon have disclosed its existence. But he, regardless of any attractions of Miss Sedgley, equally supposed he had none in her eyes, and thus, fortunately for the peace of all parties, this prepossession ever remained a secret, except to herself. So little did William conceive that his clownish cousin could rival him in the affections of a woman of fashion, that he even slightly solicited his father that Henry might not be banished from the house, at least till after the following day, when the great festival of his marriage was to be celebrated. But the dean refused, and reminded his son that he was bound both by his moral and religious character in the eyes of God, and still more in the eyes of men, to show lasting resentment of iniquity like his. William acquiesced, and immediately delivered to his cousin the dean's wishes for his amendment, and a letter of recommendation procured from Lord Bendham, to introduce him on board a man-of-war, where, he was told, he might hope to meet with preferment, according to his merit, as a sailor and a gentleman. Henry pressed William's hand on parting, wished him happy in his marriage, and supplicated, as the only favor he would implore, an interview with his uncle, to thank him for all his former kindness, and to see him for the last time. William repeated this petition to his father, but with so little energy that the dean did not grant it. He felt himself, he said, compelled to resent that reprobate character in which Henry had appeared, and he feared, lest the resemblance of his last parting from his brother might, on taking a formal leave of that brother's son, reduce him to some tokens of weakness that would ill become his dignity and just displeasure. He sent him his blessing, with money to convey him to the ship, and Henry quitted his uncle's house in a flood of tears, 
to seek first a new protectress for his little foundling, and then to seek his fortune. End of chapter 29